Creative Babble. During opening statements, Gage Bethune's defense attorney, Michael Websick, told the jury that hypothermia was the only cause of death in this case, and that Gage wasn't responsible for Praveen dying. However, the state told the jury that Gage Bethune committed two crimes on February 12th into the morning of the 13th of 2014. First-degree felony murder tied to robbery and first-degree felony murder tied to aggravated battery. Those actions by Gage Bethune directly led to the death of Praveen Verghese. Obviously, one of these arguments was compelling enough to convince 12 jurors. I'm John Taylor with the Twisted Podcast. And I'm Javier Leva with the Pretend Podcast. And this is Criminal Conduct Season 4 Getting Away with Murder. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All we need is one good guy who's honest. Doesn't that sound so stupid? We just need one guy to do their job. We need one guy that's not scared to go against what the other guys decided and do their job. So, John, how did the citizens of Carbondale react to State Attorney Mike Carr's report? I don't think it changed anyone's opinion. I feel like it just kind of solidified everybody's feelings about the case. I mean, those who were on Gage's side, they were like, exactly, this proves our point. And the people who felt that Praveen died as a result of Gage's actions were just completely appalled by Mike Carr's case. So it didn't seem to sway anyone. And I mean, my conclusion on the report was it wasn't professional and that Mike Carr only included facts that supported his conclusion. Yeah, and while we could criticize Mike Carr's report all day long, Mike Carr denies any allegations of unfairness or unprofessionalism while handling Praveen's case. Yeah, and I got to give Mike Carr credit here because after he put this report out and was done with the grand jury, he did allow a special prosecutor to come into this case. And if he wanted to, he could have pretty much stopped it or made it much more difficult because the state's attorney has to ask to have another prosecutor come in. And you're right. On March 2nd, 2015, Mike Carr stepped aside and assigned a special prosecutor to the case. Yeah. And I think that in a way, he didn't think there would be anything that would come of having a special prosecutor. So he didn't really see any downside to doing it. And that special prosecutor turned out to be David J. Robinson. David Robinson was the chief deputy director at the appellate prosecutor's office in Springfield, Illinois. Basically, the appellate prosecutor's office argues cases before the Illinois Appellate Court and tries serious felony cases as a special prosecutor in circuit courts throughout the state. 
Lovely called me and she goes, oh my God. Oh my God. I said, what? And she's like, trust me. I just talked to somebody and his name is David Robinson. So talk about this first meeting with uh, David Robinson. Oh my God. We walk into the courthouse and there were, he was smi- the widest smile that I have ever seen. It's the first time we meet with you. And um, he said, yeah, it's the first time we meet, but we have been following you ladies. So we know everything you do. And they had a conversation. She said he was courteous and sincere and just talked to me normally and said that the case is in his hands now. And he's been reviewing it and he'd like to meet with me. She goes, I think he's good. I feel like he's good. And I said, okay, listen, don't get lovely. You might be giving it a little bit like we got to stay strong. And she goes, no, he's different. And I said, then he is. And he said, I do everything above board and by the book. If we dig into this and there's probable cause to arrest, I will take him to trial and I will charge him. And it will be at Jackson County Courthouse. David first and foremost said, we are not anybody else. We do not represent anybody that's dealt with you so far. We are so sorry for what has happened to your son and your family. David Robinson was Lovely's first sign of hope because until Lovely got the police records, she didn't realize that the Carbondale Police Department aggressively investigated Praveen's death, right up until my car refused to prosecute. One thing the Carbondale Police did was a recreation video of the path from where Gage Bethune's truck was located on Route 13 to where the police ultimately found Praveen's deceased body. In this video, which you hear in the background, it took officers a substantial amount of time to trek deep enough into the woods where the body was found. For about 15 minutes. That was a pretty direct route. Yeah. In the daytime. In the daytime and walking at a pretty brisk pace. This is the outskirts of Carbondale. We are literally staring at the sign that says, Welcome to Carbondale. This is the edge of town. We know Gage was here at yeah, 12.30. We, we know that for sure because there's video. Uh, he was stopped by his And trooper. then the fact that Praveen was found about 400 yards from that location in these woods it's pretty reasonable to assume that there's a connection there. And Gage said there was a connection. We know that for sure, that the two of them were in near this part of the woods and that night at right. around 1230. If Praveen had a concussion, was uh, intoxicated, I mean, he had a number of things going against him besides the fact that he was not dressed for the weather. So there wouldn't have been as much traffic at say 1230 at night as there is now, but there would have been traffic on this road. And so if you entered those woods on foot, like you ran off, you would be able to hear that traffic. So you would know as you're running away that you're leaving, you're going away from the highway. You would be able to tell that the sound's getting further away from you. But at the same time, if he was afraid that you know someone had attacked him, so he's trying to get away from somebody, then that is the direction you'd want to run. You'd want to run away from the traffic. And, and so the question really is, how did Praveen go into the woods? What was his condition as he went into the woods? It seems to me that he was in a pretty dire situation, even if he were conscious at that time. It still would not have been a good scenario for him at all. 
it's the dead of winter and right now our vision could pierce right through that forest we could see right through it because there are no leaves yeah i mean we can probably see i mean not everything but you can see 100 yards in there maybe 80 100 yards into the forest now it was pitch dark so you wouldn't have been able to see very far i mean when the trooper shined his light on the woods i mean you couldn't see five feet into those woods at night uh but yeah so there's no hardly any leaves on the trees so it's a much different uh, uh look than if you were here in june so you see that uh it looks like a tree sticking up out of the water yeah that's about that looks like a fence post to me it may not be but that's about where the fence was and so there was a barbed wire fence i think it had three rungs of barbed Wait, wire which tree which yeah tree? little stump that sticking little out of the water right yeah that's the like the top of a that looks like the top of a fence. What's the significance of the barbed wire? Like, why, why is that important? Well, the significance is that, uh, that Praveen's shirt was found torn and the barbed wire had a piece of his torn shirt on it. So that's a pretty good indicator as to where Praveen entered the woods, which was right here, right where we're standing, right by where Gage's truck was stopped with the trooper behind him. At the bottom of that hill right here on the barbed wire is where they found a piece of that red shirt. The thing is, it's just three lines. So if you're careful, you just slide in between two of the barbed wire lines. I mean, there's plenty of room for um, a normal sized individual to be able to fit between them. I mean, the problem is that if you stand up too soon, your back could get caught on a barbed wire. Or if you go down too low, I mean, you could your face could catch on one of them. The big problem with this one, it was found on the bottom of the bottom rung is where they found his shirt, the back of his shirt cloth, which means that he entered those woods on his hands and knees. He was that low to the ground. He was uh, pretty much the only clothes he was wearing, he was just wearing boxers. Where so, were the rest of his clothes? Some of them were uh, around him, others were nearby. They never found his shoes. And every article of clothing was found, including the shirt that had two tears in them, which is consistent with the barbed wire. But there was one article of clothing that was missing, right? Well, the police found one shoe. There's some reports that indicate they found two, but there's only a picture of one, but they were black. And uh, every indication from the people who were with Praveen and people who knew him was that he was wearing purple shoes. He was also under the impression that the shoe was Praveen's and we said no. So he showed me a few pictures from Praveen's Facebook and he's like, don't you think this is the shoe? I said, no. I said, I have that shoe at home. You know, Praveen's purple shoe is missing. Praveen's family, people who knew him well, believe his shoes were never found. So it's a, a bit of a mystery how they weren't able to find his shoes. But I mean, there's a couple possible theories there. One is that he wasn't wearing the shoes when he went in there. So either they came off somehow, something happened prior, or, you know, what I was thinking, and as you can see from looking here, how unbelievably wet it is, if it was even slightly muddy, if he was jumping over something or running and he landed hard, that his, his feet could sink into the mud and he could come out of his shoes and his shoes would basically be in the mud and it'd be very hard to find them. They could be so deep. Right, it, it, almost like quicksand. When we come back from the break, a new surveillance video emerges of a man carrying what looks like a body. The next place I want to go to is down about two more blocks, and that's uh, where they found surveillance video from that night. There was a key piece of evidence located in the police records. They discovered a surveillance video of a man carrying what appears to be a body. 
and it's just very peculiar and it's very close proximity to where we are now. John and I are walking around Carbondale, retracing Gage and Praveen's steps. We're walking towards Carbondale's Main Street. This is where most of the college town's restaurants and bars are located. What the plan was after going to 606 was that they were all going to go to Sticks. And if you were going to walk to Sticks, you would walk past 405 most likely. And Sticks is a nightclub or oh, like a bar right, or the something. Billiards and pool and, and bar. And uh, you would walk down this sidewalk, you'd walk past 405. So even if, if Praveen was on his way, he could have possibly been on his way to Sticks because this is the natural route to take to go to Sticks. So because we, we are walking towards this, the strip where all the restaurants and all the bars are. Right. What the video shows, so it's right here. So it looks like someone was walking from the sidewalk and they walked over a road and into a parking lot, either carrying what appeared to be a human body or a bag of trash. We don't know, something large, something heavy. Something that required two hands. It appeared to be a white male carrying it. And if you look at the side-by-side comparisons of what Gage was wearing in the trooper video on the side of Route 13 and the individual in that surveillance video, there, there are some consistencies. When you look at the two pictures side-by-side and you see the way the jeans fit, you know, they, they kind of are saggy at the bottom, the cut of the jeans, they look identical. The profile of the face, it's a white male, almost has the same exact hairline as Gage. Um, we can't, I mean, the video's very fuzzy. It's not high resolution, so it's really hard to tell for sure, but it, it really is. Now that we're walking this route and seeing where this building is, it's, and it's in between that second house and Sticks, the bar, this is a natural place where they would have been yeah, that night. I think so. We can't say definitively that the person in the video was carrying a person. It looks like that. It could have been something else. But, you know, my take on that is in a college town like this, could you see somebody pick somebody up and run around and horse around carrying somebody? Yeah, that's not an uncommon sight. But seeing someone carrying another person who is either passed out or unconscious, that's not something I ever saw. That's not something I would expect to see. That seemed highly unusual. We don't know if the person in this video is Gage Bethune. First of all, you can't really see the details of the person's face. All you can see really is a Caucasian male's profile. The person was wearing jeans and a dark coat and was carrying something really heavy. And if the person was carrying a body, it was an unconscious body. It looks like Gage in that surveillance video, and it looks Gage like he's knows it's Gage. yeah, and he knows he's and he's carrying something with two hands, right? He is carrying a flailing Praveen, is what he's carrying, and I will take that to my grave. And they can't prove that it's not him. He can't go to court and prove it's not him because he knows it is. All I ever want from him is for him to say, "I'm so sorry. I was." fucking high and drunk out of my gourd and I beat his fucking ass and I'm sorry. And I did carry him across the street. That's all Lovely would ever want. That's all Lovely would ever want. If we go back to the missing purple shoes, if that was Praveen being carried in the video, then the idea that he was beaten somewhere else and other things happened to him becomes more plausible. The missing shoes become another clue to this as a possible explanation to why the police didn't find Praveen's shoes in the woods. Well, all we have is Gage's account and then circumstantial evidence that we can make inferences about where Praveen was, where Gage was, what they were doing. But this surveillance this video throws a real snag into the, all the timelines 
in the whole uh, story that Gage told. I think the implication is that something happened to Praveen while he was on College Street. So it was either in front of 405, near 405, and that, that, that whatever happened to him, that he was injured so badly that he may have been already unconscious. And then he's put into the truck or whatever and taken out there and dumped. The thing is, if he was put in the woods and then woke up from being unconscious, he would be wandering around and he could get, receive all those wounds. You're, you're looking at two things. You're looking at the surveillance video and you're also looking at the concept of did Praveen voluntarily get into the truck with Gage? Because I think that's a real question. The thing about his shoes, he did not have a single scratch on the sole of his feet. If, if he walked all the way there, I, w I will not buy that story. Praveen was placed there. Who helped Gage? We don't know. It's not clear to me yeah. how he got in there. I mean, there's the logic, most logical, but there's other things that could have happened. Say, you know, the Praveen walked, I mean, there is a fence. If he's running, it's pitch dark. You don't see the fence. No. And the barbed wire no. fence. Right. No, it's not a really fence. It's like barbed wire, yeah, three, three, three layers. Yep. You can't see anything. You'll get cut. Yeah. From the beginning, I knew. The first day they took us there, the day after Praveen was found, I was like, there's no way he walked in through here. There's like big tree trunks all over. You know, pitch dark, how is he going to run? And he did not lose his phone. His phone was, and his phone was tucked right here. But his pants were off. Pants right? were still, down. The phone was pants the were down. Boxers. He had his boxers. And your boxers are so loose. How yeah. can you keep your phone there and run? Oh, he had the phone on his Here, box. right yes. here. In on, the elastic, yeah. on the elastic. And, uh, not the, the phone. The, the, the wallet. <laughs> the wallet. The wallet. The phone was in his right yeah. hand. Praveen's death started out as a simple and straightforward case of hypothermia. From Mike Carr's vantage point, a jury would never convict Gage Bethune. But in reality, a thorough review of the evidence showed that there were more questions than answers. When the special prosecutor, David Robinson, got involved, the case went in a whole new direction. In June 2017, Lovely Varghese received a call from the special prosecutor, David Robinson. Robinson called and he said, I have something to tell you. And I said, does Priya need to hear this? And he said, I think so. I said, hold on, let me get her online. So I called immediately, Priya came online and he said, well, somebody is not really happy today. We got somebody indicted. Oh my God. David Robinson told Lovely and her family that the grand jury indicted Gage Bethune of two counts of first degree felony murder. The minute he said that, everybody was burst into tears, crying, you know, like that was a moment that I will never, ever forget. All your hard work, you know. Next time on Criminal Conduct, though Praveen's family welcomed the indictments, both sides anticipated a nasty court battle. That's next time on Criminal Conduct.
Criminal Conduct was written and produced by me, Javier Leva, with the Pretend Podcast, and John Taylor with the Twisted Podcast. Punit Shinoi, with the Podcast Pundits, helped us with the production and editing on this series. If you want to binge the entire series, all nine episodes, check out the link in the show notes. It will take you to the Criminal Conduct Patreon page. The episodes are also available on Pretend Plus on Apple Podcasts. Our theme music was written and produced by Ruby Rose Fox. Of course, follow us on social media. We are at CriminalCon on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All right, we'll talk next week. Creative power.